You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson. Welcome, Life Group Leaders, to the Brentwood Baptist Life Group Leader Podcast. This is the week of March 27th, and we're going to be discussing theology of worship today. Uh, Jay's out, so I'm just sitting here in Jay's office, just got finished moving around things on his desk and switching out some drawers with other drawers, so it's been an eventful morning for me in the adult discipleship, but I'm excited to have Luke Roman with us here today. He's the associate worship minister for us. He, he was a ministry resident and has come on staff full-time, and you've seen him up there playing the piano and singing, did a great job at the Christmas concert. Uh, he's just been a real blessing to me in the personal conversations we've had. So, Luke, maybe give some um, quick details about your story, how you wound up here in particular, and uh, then we'll dive into things. Yeah, thank you, Paul, so much for having me. Uh, I love what y'all do, and love getting to see what y'all do uh, every Sunday and every uh, every week leading our people so well. So uh, thank you again for having me. Um, grew up in Nashville, uh, Woodmont Baptist Church. I think some of y'all will, will know that name at uh, it was the church that originally uh, we'd go on to plant, uh, Brentwood Baptist, several years later. Uh, loved that church. And Todd Bishop was your youth minister, Todd right? Bishop was my youth minister. Uh, <laughs> He's a connection pastor here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so many ties, so many different connections uh, to Brentwood. And uh, uh, ended up going to, to Belmont University, studied piano, uh, worked my way through school. Um, so I ended up kind of leading uh, several different churches during those four years. Um, and during that time, I started... Uh, a Wednesday night uh, ministry at uh, at Woodmont Simple Worship, um, and just loved that such a simple, sweet time of worship uh, for that church. And um, Todd contacted me saying uh, they're starting a ministry residency at Brentwood, and something I might be interested in. And yeah, and you were one of the you know, inaugurals there. One of the one of the the first and only uh, music ministry <laughs> resident in that class. Uh, so it was just kind of a life-changing experience. Everything from the fundraising to uh, to getting to work with Dennis and Brad and Cliff and other uh, ministers on campus. It was just a life-changing um, experience and something I'll never forget and something I'm thankful for uh, every day. Yeah, well, the corporate worship experience here, man, is, is second to none and is certainly mm-hmm. a big draw for people and provides a lot of the people that me and Jay invest and the life group leaders all mm-hmm. invest into show up in those groups in large part because of what you guys do from the, from the stage, so to speak every Sunday morning. So we're blessed to have you and, and all our worship leaders. Uh, announcements wise this week, remember April 8th, we will have the engage middle Tennessee event. Um, the new curriculum launch will be after Easter, April 23rd, but the curriculum books will be in your uh, rooms on April 9th, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, then lastly, on Easter, again, just one more reminder, um, encourage your people to park in the back of the lots or even off-site like Jay and I will do that morning and catch the shuttle in. Um, we're anticipating big numbers, and I'm sure you guys on the uh, worship side are expecting big numbers. Even, and have from, a- even from last year, last year was Easter was during spring break, and we were at over capacity, so yeah. I'm expecting even... Even bigger numbers and great things to happen. That's right. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be evangelistic. And both Engage Middle Tennessee and Easter provide a time where we can invite our unchurched and unbelieving friends. So continue to encourage your group members. 
Um, it's, it's a different dynamic to invite somebody, hey, we're going to go do this charity service for the homeless or the orphans, as opposed to, hey, come sit through a sermon with me. Uh, so, so let's leverage that to, to get the unchurched serving along beside us, and we'll express the gospel to them in the way we live. Um, our, our text, do you have anything from the worship side you need to announce to leaders? Is there anything else they need to know for Easter? Um <laughs> I mean, it's going to be we, a we've big talked deal. about in, in Easter if if you are a, a regular attender of Roman Baptist Church and not planning on inviting somebody, we strongly encourage people to come to the the seven o'clock mm. or the eleven thirty yeah. uh, to make room for guests and visitors and people who will um, bring guests with them yeah. um, so they can attend a service that is actually in the worship center and, rather than an overflow venue. So if you're going to um, consider coming any of those. If you can, come to that 7 o'clock or the 11.30, and yeah. that will make a big difference. Yeah, good reminder. And no life groups that morning, so you're not bound to your normal teaching hour. And I remember the overflow last year was insane in Wilson Hall. We were just snatching mm-hmm. chairs and throwing them everywhere. It was, a, it was a heck of a morning. All right, so our text for this week on the theology of worship, uh, entitled My Response to God, is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 and 15 through 22. Uh, I just want to highlight a couple things from the text before we have Luke walk us through the theology of worship and give us some perspective on it. Uh, first is the, just the very first verse, my soul praise Yahweh. Uh, I take that to be this idea that our entire being and self expresses praise uh, to Yahweh for his holy name. And then it moves on in verse 3, he forgives all your sin, heals all your diseases, and it goes through all these uh, great works. And then, of course, 15 gets more to the distinction between creator and creation where grasshoppers God is uh or we're like the grass not grasshoppers that was Isaiah <laughs> but 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 we we fade away we pass away like grass but God lives on forever and reconciles his people and so a big part of where Didway's taking us in this lesson is that our worship is a response of God having set things right uh through the creature so if you remember we had humanity we talked about their sin talked about salvation proper and then Christian living um, last week you will have spoken on the church. And then, so now we have from sin to regenerate to being sanctified now as a corporate body. And so how then do we respond? So we don't want to underplay the individual dynamic of worship. I think particularly of first Corinthians, um, 10 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. And that's how I understand worship broadly and in the theological sense is just we give praise and glory to God's name. So even in the most mundane, everyday routine things of life, eating and drinking, you ought to be making God's name known through it. But since this chapter does come off the heels of the church and we as the corporate body, I think it's worth talking about what's our corporate response to God in worship and talk about what we do each Sunday morning in this weird thing where we gather to sing songs together and uh, and listen to somebody talk about uh, a book about a guy who lived 2,000 years ago. It's a unique thing when you, when you think about it culturally. Uh, so here, here we go, the corporate, the corporate expression of the church and worship. So Luke, what is worship? I think it's it's one of those things, if you ask 10 different people, you'll get 10 different answers. Uh, sure. I think if you're going to look at a dictionary answer, just a, a straight, what is worship? I think you might see something along the lines of ascribing worth uh, to something or showing honor or respect to something or someone. Uh, as a Christian, I would take that one step further. Um, I would say this, I would describe worship as ascribing the ultimate worth or the ultimate value to God. And I think it's treasuring 
uh, prizing, being satisfied in Him above everything else. Yeah, good language. Treasuring because you're satisfied in Him, your supreme joy is is in the Lord. Yeah, that's a great definition of worship. Uh, so when you were trained in worship, so you were trained in piano at Belmont, and um, you've led a lot of worship services, a lot of different churches. How are you trained mm. to do it? What's it supposed to? What's supposed to happen? Yeah, well, I, I would. I'm going to go back even further, I, and I think about how I was trained to think about worship. I go back to um, some of my earliest memories. Some of the things that sink into me is I thought about worship as, as singing, and I love to sing. Uh, my parents did a great job of in of encouraging and, and showing me that discipline of singing. And uh, we were in the car all the time, so singing singing along to the radio or to cassettes, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Keith Green, Michael Libby Smith, Amy Grant, um, we were singing all the time. And one of my earliest memories is, is being in my car seat, singing along to Rich Mullins, Awesome God. Uh, so from an early age, I was taught that worship uh, uh, is singing. And, that, and now I know that is, in essence, that's an expression of worship. And I'm so grateful for my parents who, who showed me that. Um, but it's just one of the many ways um, that God has allowed and, and given us to express ourselves uh, in worship. Um, so when I think about when I think about how I was taught now when I went through school at, at Belmont, I think uh, we were taught to be uh, excellent, um, to, to make note of the little things, to do the little things right, to watch the details. Um, because um, all of those little things add up, um, and they're all so important. And if they're they're important to God, I want them to be important to me. That's great, and we definitely we definitely want to celebrate people's gifts. But my preaching professor in seminary said um, it's not noble to get up there and be a train wreck mm. because you will cause distractions, and people exactly. won't be thinking about God because right. they'll be looking at the horror of what you're doing. Yeah. So you're right; there is something about the excellence of doing it. Yeah. Uh, not because the people like me who are tone deaf who wouldn't know a key if they heard it and sing terribly. God loves my joyful noise, I think. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to put me up to to lead the to lead the group, and it. it would be a major distraction. If I would I say was, that don't don't cut yourself out yet, Paul. I, was I, I would say that's one of the things that drew me initially to Brentwood Baptist. Is I, I was visiting, um, I was I was leading worship at an eleven o'clock service in Nashville, and me and Erica would my wife Erica we would come. Uh, visit the uh, the 9:30 service and stay for the music and a little bit of the sermon and have to leave, um, but just so drawn uh, to uh, the excellence that is here and um, when that's done authentically and humbly that that points us right to God. It says sing and play skillfully uh, to the Lord in Psalms. So that's um, I think what Dennis has built a legacy around. Um, and so grateful for that. No doubt about it. So what's the goal of worship when you guys uh, lead out each week? Um, great question. Uh, something I, I wrestle with all the time, and I, I would answer it this way: um, God created us for worship. God created us to worship and to worship Him. Um, but because of the fall, because of sin, uh, we're prone to worship things that were never meant to be worshipped, things that can't uh, hold or contain our worship. Um, so, as humans, we know we're going to worship something, and anything other than the true God will dis- distort our truth. Um, the God's truth, rather, um, and cannot hold our lives together. So when I think about the goal of worship, my goal is to worship God, as it says in John four twenty four, to worship God in spirit and in truth, um, mm-hmm. to gain value, to treasure God above all things. And from that internal expression, from my heart uh, of worship, um, that will overflow into an external form of worship through uh, 
through praise, through confession, um, and that will overflow from my lips through our body uh, and the way that we love and, and serve one another. Yeah, that's great because uh, coming from my side, uh, I think you have this false dichotomy in worship. Uh, worship is the experience and the teaching is the cognitive, the intellectual side. And it's a, it's a little more of a holistic thing than that. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I was coming up, you come out a Ph.D. philosopher and, mm-hmm. you know, faith is you better know your doctrines. And those ought to then be expressed in worship. But you're right, it works the other way around, mm-hmm. where the worship ought to draw that out of you as you go away meditating exactly. on the songs, meditating on the sermon and the vision. Mm-hmm. And that ought to lead to your personal spiritual disciplines. Yeah. And so it goes up and down. And so I've been walking the group leaders in the weekly blog through uh, different discipleship contexts. From the divine space, you and the Holy Spirit, all the way up to the public space. Hmm. And the point is that if we're not doing each context, then we're not really doing a holistic discipleship. Right. And yeah. certainly the the Sunday worship service or whatever worship service, Tuesday for Kairos, sure. uh, is a huge expression of that as it plays out into our um, our daily daily yeah, walk. That's so important. If we're not worshiping in truth, I think we're worshiping something that is, is man-made and that's an image. and. Um, if that's the case, we're not we're not worshiping God. We're worshiping something that we think is worthy of our worship. Um, so it's just so important worship in our spirit, to worship in our hearts, uh, to honor and glorify God in our hearts, and to do that the way God has outlined, the way He has said, and the way He's commanded it. Because He's said, He's told us how to how, how to worship Him, um, but He's also told us how not to worship Him. Uh, so to take those uh, into considerations and into uh, into context is is so important. So what's the success then for you? So what do you want in people's brains as they walk out and in their hearts as they walk out of mm-hmm. the sanctuary? What would be a, a win? This is such a, again, such a struggle. Um, part of me wants everything, um, like, uh, I want it to be, I want it to be perfect. And that's, that's what we strive for. But, um, my prayer every, every week, every, every time I'm leading is everything that is done. Uh, everything that is said, everything spoken, everything sung, exalts and makes much of God. Um, and to me, I think the gospel is presented, the gospel is responded to, and that presentation and that response is honoring and glorifying to God. So that's that's one thing that I think makes a su- successful service for me. Uh, I also think about Hebrews 12. It says, um, don't give up meeting together as some are, are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another, uh, especially since Jesus is returning soon. Um, so even in that that verse, we're told to love and encourage one another. So those those two things together, I think, make a successful morning worship at Bremen Baptist Church, honoring God in our preparation, presentation, uh, presentation of the gospel, and in that response to the gospel is one that encourages uh, each other in our uh, daily walk with Jesus. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it's another connection between the corporate experience mm-hmm. and the individual, and the individual experience. Uh, I think in terms of so, if we just think departmentally, which we don't want to be siloed, but mm-hmm. it kind of does by default in some ways when you get expertise everywhere. But you say missions. What's a success? Well, it's not a conversion. It's mm-hmm. being faithful to the moment. Mm-hmm. Did you represent God well? Were you faithful to the moment in sharing the gospel and sharing your testimony? I would say for my uh, teachers and my leaders in the in the life groups, it's not does everyone um, have some transformation. That's what we want right. desperately is the transformation. Mm-hmm. That's why we That's do transformational life strategy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
but are you faithful to the text as you uh, exposit a passage with your group and as you drive them to think more deeply about God? Mm-hmm. And it's no different in the course in the corporate worship experience. We can combine those cor- course Yeah, <laughs> corship. Yeah, corporate. I don't know. <laughs> But, it, <laughs> but are you faithful to the moment? Are you doing your best with the gifts God's given you, uh, whether or not it changes anybody? And we know if you are faithful, then there will be change mm-hmm. at some point uh, as people are growing. Yeah. That's, that's it's, wonderful. It's great when that happens, but uh, that I don't think that can be my goal as a worship leader. I think that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's right. I can I can uh, help create a, a space and a, a, a moments for that to happen, but uh, that's not on me. So in an explicit way, then, um, if worship is a lifestyle, like I mentioned earlier, individually from 1 Corinthians 10, uh, how does that connect to the corporate body? Such an important question, I think, for, for so many reasons. One, I think there's so many people today that don't necessarily see the value or the point of, of worshiping uh, corporately and worshiping together. But when you ask that question, um, the, the analogy that comes to my head is uh, I've been leading worship and music at funerals for several years now and i forgive me if this is a tough analogy to think about it's macabre um, yeah <laughs> but uh it's one of the most heart-wrenching uh, and it's one of the most beautiful things when i see friends lifting up uh praying crying weeping with a family who's lost someone they love um and it's when when it's all all you can do as a as a family just to show up um your friends and your church family love and encourage you and lift you up to the Father on your behalf. Uh, and to me, that it's such a blessing for me to get to be a part of and to see uh, when I get when I'm a part of those services, because we're we're called to to bear each other's burdens and to encourage one another. Um, and when we meet work uh, to worship corporately, Paul, if I know you're going through something and I see you standing there, uh, raising your hands, expressing your worship to God, no matter what is going on, that encourages me and that strengthens my faith and. I might have the opportunity to encourage you or to encourage uh, someone else to help grow their faith. And so it's just so powerful to hear God's people speak His Word, sing those songs of faith. And I think about Colossians 3.16, one of my favorite verses, uh, Let the message of the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude uh, in your heart. So I'd say, yeah, worship is a lifestyle. I mean, we're always worshiping, but God did not create us to live on an island, and and we were made to do this and uh, walk through this life together. Very good. And I used to be very arrogant against the worship service. I would see people throw their hands up during the songs, and I would swear in my arrogance coming out of seminary that it was just because the drum was extra loud on that spot. Uh, it had nothing to do with the, the content. Because then Mike would get up and read a text of the Bible, and no one would put their hands up. But like me, I want to put my hands up during that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... What you're expressing here is that the weekly corporate experience of worship is really um, an, an isolated manifestation of the entire Christian life playing itself out every week as a larger body. And God made us so unique and so diverse and we're reached in so many different ways that we can celebrate those who are into the music being uh, you know, pushed to express their love to Christ and, and also those who are more text bound or whatever, what have you. It's a, but the gospel is expressed in all of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great stuff. What's something that you think someone like me sitting out in, in the pew, uh, watching you participating? I sing. It's not well, but I sing. I don't put my hands up. I'm a good Southern Baptist boy. But I, but I do sing. Um, but that I might not understand what's really going on. What's, what's something from your end that, that you see that I probably don't? Um, 
asking that question, even just what we were exactly what we were just talking about. Um, and I grew up the same way. I grew up a Southern Baptist. And so this is something I can, can continue to learn, continuing to struggle with. Um, but God has given us so many different ways to express our worship. And it's not limited to just singing. David in the Psalms is, is a great example of how we can express our worship to God. Uh, and again, this is something I'm learning and it's something I'm working working on. David would fall on his face. He would bow down. He, he raised his hands. He danced. He sang. He clapped his hands. But again, what we were just talking about, it's important to know that those expressions of worship have only only come and are only authentic when it's uh, we've engaged, our heart has engaged with God in spirit and in truth. Um, so when we responded from our hearts by valuing and treasuring God, then that will overflow into an expression, outward expressions of, of, uh, of worship, whether that's uh, in service or loving each other. And so I'm... Speaking to myself, but I also want to encourage our church family to uh, to to not be afraid to express that worship. Um, I know that's that's not something that comes natural to a lot of us, but the thing I struggle with again and again is God often commands that it's a command in Scripture to raise your hands, to sing, sing and praise, uh, praise God, uh, shout, uh, shout for joy, all the earth. Um, so it's something I, I wrestle with all the time, and it's, it's not my personality, but I see it in the scripture. And so I want to be faithful to that and uh, faithful to what God's called me to. And I don't judge either way where people uh, throw their hands up mm-hmm. or do whatever they do. But I wonder if some of these same people were at a country music concert or at a sports game, would they not be throwing their hands mm-hmm. up in exultation and joy mm-hmm. over what's happening out there? And is it just the case that we have convinced ourselves that somehow it's more reverent to God if we're not raising our hands yeah. or clapping or yeah. I mean, we don't want to scream in the middle of your solo or anything like that, of course. <laughs> but um, have we convinced ourselves that that the church building and the institution and the context somehow we're, we're giving God more glory by not acting like we're at a sporting event or a country hmm. music thing? So, yeah. And is that is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, how? How do we support you? So, so I have group leaders. This is for them and they listen to it and they're going to be leading, uh, hundreds of individuals uh, across each, each Sunday morning and then throughout the weekend off campus groups. And they're leading all of these saints of the body. How do we support what you're trying to do, um, in the corporate worship experience? Uh, again, I, I think I've said this before. My prayer is that everything I do say, uh, and everything from my preparation to how I present the gospel uh, is God-honoring and will point others to Christ. So that's my prayer every day, every time I'm, I'm leading. Um, so if someone wants to know how they can support me, uh, you can pray for me. You can pray for our teams that lead our, our, our church so faithfully. There's over 200 volunteers that go into making Sunday morning uh, what we know that's uh, incredible. and what we love. Not including group leaders. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's just music ministry. Um, so those people that serve uh, every or tech, week, yeah, yeah. Um, and the majority again volunteers. Um, yeah. So encourage, pray for our our music ministry. Uh, pray for their their daily walk um, throughout the week, and then they come back to lead uh, lead this church so well. So encourage encourage them, lift them up, and that's that's a, a great way to to encourage us. And it's, it's got to be symbiotic. Uh, as we do outreach from our life groups to bring people in, we need to be modeling. So we as leaders, and this is convicting to me because there'll be mornings 
where I'll get wrapped up in taking care of leaders or doing this or that and not make it into the uh, corporate worship. And I need to model it better myself if I'm going to ask group leaders to model it. Uh, but that we do faithfully attend and, and model that for our group members. And so that our group members model it for those in their sphere of influence, um, where they live, work, and play. And then you guys, with the excellence of what you do, attract a lot of visitors uh, who end up a lot of times into our life groups. Mm-hmm. So it's a symbiotic thing um, where we're all bringing in, we're all raising up, and we're all doing it together. And people are in different seasons of their life, and we need to celebrate the diversity of the body of Christ to reach all those different people in all those different seasons mm-hmm. at all those different maturity levels. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. organism is what we talked about last week. It's just a beautiful organism army. Yeah, uh, um, pointing to the gospel. Are there any other uh, pet projects or things that keep a an associate worship minister awake at night <laughs> when the head hits the pillow regarding the church or um, the Sunday expression? You no, know, uh, the those little details that that people won't notice on Sunday morning are the things that keep me up at night. Um, again, going back to not wanting anything to distract or take away from uh, why we're there. So I'm, I'm passionate, and I think Dennis has kind of instilled this in me as well, passionate about um, thinking things through, making sure that uh, everything, again, points back to why we're here, and that's to, to honor, uh, to worship, lift up the name of Jesus. Um, so those are the things that keep me up at night, and it's, uh, and it's not a, a, a drudgery at all. Um, it's something that I love doing, and uh, so I feel so blessed to get to uh, be a part of that. Well, I absolve you from whatever errors you think you might make on a a week-to-week basis, and I I wouldn't notice them if you ever made them. I don't think you have made a mistake. So the the two questions I like to end in every theological discussion, um, and the way we talk about transformational learning is head, heart, hands. So what does the text present? How do we think about it? Um, How do we we dwell on the data of the scriptures to extract principles of God that can be played out in our lives? So that would be the cognitive or the head part of the intelligence, so-called. The way I like to ask the identity question is, what's at stake? So what's at stake for someone's faith and spiritual health if they divorce themselves from the corporate worship experience? Mm. Um, Wow, a great question. Um, I think we've we've already talked about this. Corporate worship is a a Christian discipline, Um, and it's a wonderful and it can be a life-giving thing. but it is a discipline. Just the same as reading your Bible, having alone time with God is a discipline. For some, corporate worship is an easy choice. Um, for others who are wired differently, um, that might be something they have to make themselves uh, learn to do. And that's okay, because reading is not something that came naturally to me. And so reading my Bible, staying in God's Word, is uh, is not one of the things that came naturally to me. Uh, but it doesn't mean I'm exempt from knowing and being in God's Word every day. So the reason I think corporate worship is such an important Christian, Christian discipline habit, uh, however you want to look at it, it's it's one of our greatest weapons in, in our fight for joy. Um, it's what you just said. It, it combines all, all uh, it combines so many different ways uh, to be the body of Christ. We hear God's voice uh, in His Word. We respond to Him in prayer and song, uh, confession, and, and we belong to His body uh, in the fellowship of the church. And again, I think you would just be missing out on the joy that, that God has for you um, if you would choose to not be a part of that, that body of fellowship. Yeah, and when Satan's after us, the way the Bible describes Satan being after us, you're going to want to equip yourself to the max, and, and the, yeah. the corporate experience yeah. can do that and is a big part of that. 
Uh, and you're right, there's so many diverse people. I think of my own father. So here I am, PhD philosopher, and uh, he loves me. He supports me and all I do. But I, I bet if push came to shove, he'd rather come hear you play the piano and sing <laughs> than come listen to me talk about, I don't know, the ontological argument or some such like that. And, and so being there as a corporate body, whether it's our, quote, thing or not, like you say, you're not exempt from the word. Mm. Just because you, it may not be as easy for you. And likewise, we're not exempt from singing, even yeah. if we sound like a bunch of birds, <laughs> uh, sick birds in my case, or whatever it might be. We're not exempt from that. Uh, we're all part of the same body and the same family. And we need to support the others who may be more expressive that way mm-hmm. as their natural pathway for relating to God. And in that, we grow mature. So I think you're right. It's hard to be spiritually healthy if you are out on an island mm-hmm. forever. There may be a season where you need to go into Arabia, uh, a la Paul, but I mean, he came back yeah. and he sang spiritual songs with people and, and told us we ought to be doing that in our, in our, in our corporate body, in our fellowship. So you can't be a Christian on an island forever. Uh, it's, it's not healthy. It's not what God intended. So the way I do the hands question, the practical so-called question is, so what? So what, what about me changes? So let's say I'm someone who believed I could be on an island and, oh, I've just convicted. Luke Roman just convicted me that I better be in corporate worship or I'm not living the fullness of the Christian life. I can't be fully sanctified. Uh, how does my tomorrow look different? Um, my perspective, mindset. I think it'd be easy to say that, uh, that, that joy will come quickly and joy will come mm-hmm. easily. Um, but I don't, I think this, this Christian life is, is a, is a journey. And that it's an intentional choice uh, day by day. Um, so I think as God continues to draw you closer to himself, you will see um, see how God works in every in everyday things. And again, just the more time you will spend in God's word, uh, worshiping with his people, um, taking those disciplined steps, the more God will uh, ask you to the next thing, to call you to something else, um, drawing again, drawing him drawing you deeper into himself. So it's about being obedient in those little things, being obedient in the things that are are hard or difficult for you. Mike Glenn says it all the time. He's not going to call you to step three if you haven't done step one. So yeah, taking those those first steps um, in the little things are so important. Yeah, well, you've given us some great theology, some great perspective, some great challenges to bring to our group members. Um we certainly have a good text to pull from. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about any of the forgiveness related back to any of the other lessons uh, or whatever else. So I think there's plenty of plenty of avenues for the leaders to go on this week. So I thank you so much for joining us, Luke, uh, hearing your heart, your love for the Lord, uh, your convicting word in your most subtle and gentle way. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, it hits it hard uh, to hear your heart for worship, what you strive for. Even that, do we strive to be that way do i strive to be that way in excellence and all we do to not be a distraction but a but a big blinking arrow sign like diner here mm-hmm. kind of sign yeah. pointing to uh pointing to christ uh, so man we we love you guys we appreciate all that you all that you do from the worship side of things and i love you there's a lot of love going around and i love you group leaders as well and what you do week week and seeing the way it all fits together where um you know, a lot of those volunteers come out of life groups. <laughs> a lot of life group leaders are in the choir. It's just, man, just seeing it all fit. What a blessing to be a part of all of it. And in it, you see God's grace and goodness and creativity and wonder. So I pray that you group leaders have a great group time this week, that you're faithful to the text, that you're written much prayer over your members. And remember, we're always here for you. See you next week. <laughs>